Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, this sermon series is really a question, why the cross? And that's a very common question. Why did Jesus have to die the way he did for us? And we're not just doing the series to answer the question for the person who doesn't maybe believe, but we're also doing the series for those of you who do believe because it's real easy for you to forget, or it's real easy for you to take for granted. Because when you're forgiven, and you know that you have forgiveness, and you know that you belong to Jesus, the reality of how that all came about can kind of just leave you. You can kind of exist without any concept of that. But the fact of the matter is, is that without the cross and without Jesus going through the suffering that he did, none of us here would have a relationship with God. None. Not a person. None of us would have any forgiveness. None of us would have any hope whatsoever. None. And the reality is, is we want to address the question. So, so for the last few weeks, we have been looking at different things. We've seen that, you know, we bear the consequences of our sin, and our sin requires a price to be paid. God demands that a price be paid for our sin, and, and the ultimate price for that sin is death in hell or the lake of fire. But I want you to understand and see something today. It's called, Brad was talking about it a little bit as he introduced his last song, Grace. See, God's gracious to us. And, and let me give you a definition. I'm going to give you the George Cannon definition of grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Getting what you don't deserve. Because here's the reality. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be forgiven. We can't lay a claim to forgiveness. Do you understand? On our own. We deserve what was rightfully facing us. Did you understand what I'm saying? Not a person here can walk high and mighty among us. We deserve death. But here's what happened. God was gracious. God extended mercy to us in that he provided, are you ready for this, a substitute for you. And that's what we're going to talk about today, is a substitute. But in order to understand the substitute, we've got to address a couple of things. First of all, we've got to address the fact that we are desensitized. What do you mean? You and I, let's just be flat out honest with ourselves, we are desensitized to the cross. We're desensitized to the reality of what Jesus Christ has gone through. The impact of that doesn't shake us. The impact of that doesn't strike us emotionally. It's almost like, oh yeah, I know he died for me. I know I'm forgiven. Big deal. Well, it's more than just a big deal. It's your life if you don't realize that. So here's two things I want you to see about being desensitized. Number one, it totally escapes us that sin requires a price to be paid. Totally escapes us. 
totally escapes us that sin requires a price to be paid. How do you know that it escapes us? Well, because a lot of us are planning on doing something that we know that's not right. Do you want me to say that again? The reason why I know that it escapes us is because a lot of us are planning on doing something that we know is not right. The fact that you're planning it shows that you have no concept that whatever you're going to do, whatever you're planning to do, is going to require a price from you. Is going to require you pay a price. So we just do it. And then we wonder, well, why did that happen? Or, or why am I facing these consequences? Well, hey, when you sin, there's a price to be paid. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and we're foolish about it because wisdom are those around us who are telling us, don't do it. You ever hear somebody tell you that? Don't do it. Don't do it. But we think we've got it together. Why? Because that's who we are as humans. As human beings, we think we can handle it all. And we don't realize, we're totally desensitized to the fact that sin is always going to require a price from us. Folks, let me tell you, sin requires a price from me. Sin requires a price from you. And let me just say this, nobody is exempt from the price. Let me say that, you want to write that down. Nobody is exempt from the price of sin. And what it expects as a payment is different for every person. There's an ultimate price, which is hell. That's Everybody's going to experience that. But the fact is, is that you two people may do the same sin in here, but the price may be different for the two of them. But there is a price, and it will be heavy. But we're desensitized. And especially if you're a Christian. Because, come on, George, we're forgiven. He died for us. He forgave it past, present, and future. Yes, that's true theologically, but that's not a license. Consequences still exist. We're desensitized. Here's the second thing I want you to see about this aspect of being desensitized, and and that's this. We have become indifferent to the suffering of Jesus. We have become indifferent to the suffering of Jesus. See, what Jesus did for us, yes, we accept it by faith, but to be honest with you, is so far removed from us. Hey, George, that happened 2,000 years ago. But every time you sin, that's a hammer blow. Every time you sin, that's a muscle that's pushing the spear from the soldier up into his side. See, it's our sin that put him on the cross. It's our sin that killed him. It's that little insignificant thing that we really don't give any thought to. But he did it for you. It's us that put him on the cross. But we're, but here's the thing. We've become indifferent to that. Life goes on. Just trying to figure out how to get through the week. And we're already planning. We're already planning what to do that we know is not right. That's where we're at. Do you think we need help? Hey, I'm going to tell you right now. I need help. Do you understand? We're not exempt from this. We're not. So you say, okay, George, what are we going to do here? How do we, what is this deal about the substitute? Well, we're going to look at a passage in the book of Isaiah. It's the prophecy of Isaiah. It's in the Old Testament. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this book. It was written 
about 750 years before Jesus died. So this is a prophetic passage. In Isaiah 53, he's going to talk about the suffering servant. He's going to talk about the suffering Messiah. And when we read it now, I want you to realize that what he's describing here, 750 years before it happened, was what what happened to Jesus. But he's not just going to be describing to us what happened to Jesus. He's going to tell you why it happened. He's going to help you to see why it happened. Because Jesus is the substitute. I want you to understand, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, John 3.16 says. What do you mean he gave? He gave his son, not just to come and live among us, he gave his son as the substitute to pay your penalty for your sin. My sin. Because sin requires a price to be paid. So I want you to notice what Isaiah says. Think about it. 750 years before the events happened on the cross. He says this, verse 1, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him a tender plant as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. For when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Look at verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to slaughter, as a sheep before shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living, and for the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And He made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was put to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for transgressors. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to look, first of all, at God's plan, verses 1 to 4. And then we're going to see his suffering, verses 5 through 12. His plan. What do you mean his plan? Well, this is what the writer is saying, verse 1 of chapter 53. Look at what he says there. Who has believed our report 
To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Here's what I want you to see. It is unbelievable that God would send his son as a commoner. See, here's the thing. The writer is saying it's totally unfathomable to him that God, the Son of God, the Messiah, would come among us as a simple common folk. Listen, when you think of Jesus, you think of him being the Son of God, being in heaven with all of the glory, all the richness of that, all of the supremacy of that. He lays all of that aside, Philippian tells us in chapter 2, to become like us. But And not to become like us in the sense of like a Hollywood us, to become like us in the sense of somebody who lives in Clearfield County. Just a common person. Nobody would even pay attention to him. The reality is, is that when we think of somebody like a Hollywood or New York style crowd, we're thinking of that being spectacular. Jesus didn't come like that. Jesus came to our earth like us. This is what the writer is saying is unfathomable. It's unbelievable that God, unbelievable that God would send his son who's going to bring salvation to the rest of us as a commoner. How common? He would be born in a stable because there was no room for him in the end. Poor. Look at the second thing I want you to see there about God's plan. This is the reality about Jesus, and I want you to understand this. Jesus' life was filled with rejection and sorrow. Look at what the writer says there. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. His form and comeliness, when we see him, there will be no beauty in him that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Jesus was not just somebody who who was the Son of God and all of his glory laying that aside, coming to be live among us like we are. The fact of the matter is his life was marked by, are you ready for this, rejection and sorrow. What do you mean rejection? Just read through the Gospels. His own family thought he was nuts. Comes out in several passages. They actually came to get him. He's teaching many. Many are surrounding him and they're saying, hey, your, your, your mother and brothers are outside, Lord. They're outside to get him because they think he'd gone nuts. He was rejected. That's who Jesus is. He's rejected. Now here's the thing. What, here's what I want you to understand. This is why he becomes the perfect substitute for us because he's acquainted with two things, rejection and grief. What's the two things that we hate the most in life? Being rejected and what? the grief that we bear from this life. You think he identifies with you and I? You think he knows what's going on in our lives and what we're going through? In fact, he does. In fact, here's what Hebrews says. If I go all the way over to Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews says this, when he talks about Jesus and he talks about his understanding of who you and I are, he says this in verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confessions. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Folks, 
You ever said to yourself, does he even know what's going on in my life? Does he even understand what I'm going through? You ever said that? If you're human, you are. I'm telling you, he knows. Because he's the substitute. So he bore the rejection. He bore the grief that we carry. He identifies with us. That's God's plan. Seems crazy. I mean, why would Jesus die on a cross? It seems like, couldn't God come up with something else? It's God's plan. Path of suffering was God's plan so that he could identify with us and pay the price for us. Do you understand? Look now at his suffering. Verse 5, right off the bat. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Here's what I want you to see. He's, he's basically breaking down sin into several different categories here, and he's telling us that Jesus went through what he went through because of your sin. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus suffered for our sin. Look, if you take that verse, just that verse, he was wounded for our transgressions. Folks, from the moment he was taken in the garden, he was wounded. What do you mean wounded, George? Folks, he was beaten. Not just a beating, but a beat down. He was whipped continually beyond any comprehension that you would have. That's what the stripes are that it's talking about there. The pain that he bore as he was whipped with a cat of nine tails was for you so that you could have healing, so that you could have forgiveness, so that the price that you need to pay for your sin could be paid. He suffered for our sins. And here's the second thing I want you to see there. Through his suffering, we have peace and healing. Through his suffering, you have peace. You have healing. Stop for a moment. How many of you right now are in turmoil? You don't need to raise your hand. I, don't, I don't, just want you to think with me. No raising hands. Just think with me. You're in turmoil. Your life is in upheaval. You don't know how to handle what you're facing. And it's facing you. You're struggling. The peace, you wish you understood what peace was. Healing, you're not, you're not even sure you can be healed anymore in the sense of the emotional scarring and damage that's there. But I'm going to tell you something. It's available to you. The peace is available to you. The peace that surpasses all understanding is available to you. How is it available to you? Jesus died on the cross for you. The healing that you long for. The healing of the scars of your life. The stuff that you've gone through. The stuff that somebody did wrong to you. The stuff that you did. The healing is there. Where is it? In Jesus. Because he died on the cross for you. The problem is, is we're looking everywhere else for it. If I could only do this, if I could only do this, everything would be fine. If I could only get that job and get that bank account. If you notice you got the job, the bank account, you still don't have peace. Things haven't gotten better. Almost it seems like you wish you didn't have anything because when you didn't have anything, things were better. You're not going to find it anywhere else. No matter how much you look, you're not going to find it anywhere else. You're not going to find it in relationships. You're not going to find it in stuff. You're not going to find it in 
other means, you're not going to find it. You're only going to find it where? In Jesus, because he died and suffered for you. Through his suffering, we have peace and healing. The problem is, here's the problem, we don't look for it in him. We don't go to him and say, God, I'm in, up, I'm in uproar and I'm in turmoil. Can you help me? I know you didn't promise to show me how things are going to turn out, but you said you would give me grace to see you through. I need grace right now, Lord. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. What does he say? Paul says in Philippians verse 6, chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. How many of you wish you weren't anxious? What does anxious mean? Worried. I live in a state of worry. Do you? Be anxious for nothing but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understandings, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How's that possible? Jesus died on the cross for you. He's the substitute for you. The problem is we're not availing ourselves of it. Why? Because we're desensitized to what he did for us. Through his suffering, we have peace and healing. Here's the next thing I want you to see. Look at verse 6 and 7. We, like sheep, have all gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. Here's what I want you to see. He willingly suffered even as we do our own thing. This is human beings, okay? If I, if I tell my kids, hey, I'm going to take care of this for you, but I need to see that you're doing something. And if I see that you're doing something, I'm going to take care of it for you. And, and, and I mean that. So dad, dad and mom will do whatever they can for, for our kids, but if we've got to see something reciprocated. Isn't that the way all of us are? Okay. Now, when, when dad doesn't see that, I'm just not going to do what I said I'm going to do because that ain't teaching them nothing. Okay? That's not teaching them nothing. So if they're not doing what they're spo- not supposed to be doing, dad's not doing it. Hey, we had a deal here, didn't I? I told you that uh, I will help you do this, but I got to see you do something in return. That's human beings, okay? Be thankful that's not Jesus. Because Jesus didn't strike any deal with us. First of all, we weren't looking for a deal. He willingly went to the cross. He didn't even open his mouth, the text is saying. He silently endured the suffering and the death even as we, like sheep, have gone astray and we did our own thing and continue to do our own thing. That's Jesus. Folks, that's grace. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's getting what we don't deserve because if it was up to me, I'd say, oh, hold on a minute now. Uh, You're not doing what I ask you to do. 
Jesus died on the cross as a substitute to us, even as we continue to do our own thing. And the implication of doing our own thing means we continue to what? Sin. That's what he's saying here. That's grace. That's grace. Then here's the fourth point. Look with me at verses 8 through 12. He was taken from prison for judgment. And who declared this generation? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken, verse 8 says. What's going on here? Well, Jesus died as a payment for our sins on our behalf. He's the substitute. Remember I told you that your sin, any bitty sins that we categorize, big sins, everything that we do is wrong, stuff that you do ignorantly, stuff that you do intentionally, stuff that you plan out. Every sin requires a price, and the ultimate price that it requires from us, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Is death. What kind of death? Spiritual death. What is the second death? Revelation chapter 20. And the lake of fire, which is what? The second death. That's the price. Jesus died as the payment for our sins. Here's a word that you'll find used in the book of Romans. Here's a word that you'll find used in the second chapter of First John. It's called propitiation. For he is the propitiation for our sins. Can I tell you what that word means? It's translated atoning sacrifice. So it's the sacrifice that makes atonement for our sins. There's another way you can translate it. Wrath satisfier. He satisfied God's judicial wrath towards you and I for our sins with his death. Do you understand? He's the substitute. Okay, stop for a moment. We got to let that sink in. I want you to think with me. I don't want you to think about every sin. We would be here forever trying to remember them all. You can't. But there are certain sins that come to your mind immediately that you regret and you wish, you wish that you could go back and change them again and never go down that path again. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, the enemy's right there reminding you, hey, don't you remember that? You know, and you're like, leave me alone. No, no, okay. So I want you to think for a moment. Think for a moment about the sin in your life. And some of you, you're facing the consequences of that sin because that's what sin, sin requires a price, not just later, but right now. He died for that sin. He paid the penalty for that sin. He suffered on the cross for that sin. The the penalty that required your life for that sin was taken away because of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have forgiveness right now because Jesus died on the cross for that sin. One day you will stand before the Father and you're going to be like, well, you know God, you know God about that? He's going to say, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. It's been forgiven. I've forgotten it. It's because Jesus died on the cross for that sin. He's a substitute. That's why there's a cross. 
That's why you need the cross. He's the substitute. Aren't you glad for that? You better be. Here's the thing. You live in regret. Take a look at that regret and say, he took it for me. I'm so thankful Jesus took it for me. I'm forgiven. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.